Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. I think Paul would tell each and every one of you, he says, hey, I'm a man that follows Jesus. And I believe in this life that there is more than meets the eye. I want to let you know today, we got to stop getting our eyes off the here and now and put them on the eternal. Put them on that great and glorious day that is coming. Don't get caught up in the here and now. Don't get fall so in love with this world that you're not even ready to meet Jesus in the air. Don't fall so in love on what you see here today that you forget about what's coming on the other day. When you forget about that he's going to split the eastern sky and we still have the hope of the rapture that we can look for. Don't lose that. I feel his presence in this place today. Amen, amen. God bless you. Go with me, if you would, to the book of James, chapter 4. We'll read a couple verses of Scripture. As you probably noticed, the platform is a little bit closer to the congregation today. Amen. We, we thank the different ones that spent time up here yesterday making all this possible. Amen. And the men have assured me that I will not fall through. There was, however, one nail that was left, and thankfully, it did not pierce the bottom of these shoes. I said earlier that you will know it, and the revival will probably break out if I'm standing through a 16-gauge nail or something like that. So that did not happen. I literally almost died right there, though. Hey, you know what? You walk in here, and it smells like revival. It smells like revival. Absolutely, absolutely. This is a work in progress, but thank you so much to everyone who made it possible. I'm sure Brother Rice will probably say something later, but uh, thank you for spending time and your hard work. It's just amazing how much talent is around this church. And uh, so we had a good time up here yesterday. the new uh, booth in the back that is not the evangelist quarters um, that is the new sound room uh, we were telling people it's evangelist quarters <laughs> we like to keep our evangelists really close and just they can pop out of the window real quick no that is the new sound room we are excited about that and more to come uh, but again thank you so much without further ado James chapter 4 verses 13 and 14 Here's what James writes. Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. You don't know what's what's coming. You don't know what's going to happen. He says, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. It's a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Amen. The subject I want you to consider this morning, just speaking to you from this title, The Edge of Glory. The Edge of Glory. And if you help me today, I promise to get you to Dairy Queen in a timely manner. Amen. And if you have a good attitude, you may be seated. That way we know who we got to deal with here today. Amen. 
Our text this morning, um, James asked us a pretty, a pretty powerful question when he, when he asked us, what, what is your life? And I'm pretty confident today that if we were to ask that question, like if we were to line everybody up and before you left today, we would ask you, hey, what, what is life? What is your life? And if you could think of an answer on the spot, I'm sure there would be a variety of different answers that would come from that being asked that question. If we were, if we were to send out a survey, I'm sure there would be an immense amount of different answers that would come in. So I want you to think about this with me this morning as we uh, dive in. What is your life? What is the meaning of life? And what is, what is it really all about? And uh, there have been movies that have been produced about it. There have been songs that have been written and sung about it. Uh, and for many, there is no greater question to be answered. There is no greater pursuit in life than to find what the meaning of life really is. And so the answer to that question, for most people, at least some, is crucial, is crucial to why they are here today. It's probably the most asked philosophical question by, uh, by humanity at large, and yet most people believe that they will probably never, ever find the answer to that question. They will never find what the meaning of life is for whatever reason. But if you do a little Google search and you just type in what is the meaning of life, you're going to find a slew of different answers. Some believe that, that life is to find happiness. Life, it means to find fulfillment. Uh, it means to fall in love with a love that will last a lifetime. Some believe that they're just here for pleasure. Some believe, man, you know what? I'm just here to enjoy the weekend, and that's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to enjoy the weekend, and I've only got just a, a few days and hours, and so I'm going to enjoy them. Some believe that way. Some believe that the meaning of life is, is it's all about power. It's to, to get and gain as much power as we, as we possibly can, to get as much money as we possibly can, to be as successful as we possibly can be. So I began to think about this question that James asked us in the text, and, and I asked myself, like I verbally spoke it out loud, and I said, Bryce, what is your life? What, what is the meaning of your life? What is the purpose? And that question forced my mind to kind of go back in time and to think about some different moments, some different events that had taken place, because that's what life is. Life is a collection of moments. And I began to write down some important dates and uh, kicking off this first one, uh, pretty, pretty important date would be April 8th, 1986, which April 8th is coming up, by the way, but that is my birthday. That's like two services in a row I've dropped my birthday in there, I think. Just don't want you to forget. Um, so April 8th, 1986, pretty important date, probably for most people, was the day of your birth. That's pretty important to you becoming who you're supposed to become, right? Got to have that. 
And uh, so I began to continue down the, down the list. April 2002, turned 16 years old, got my driver's license, right? And the roads were forever changed, including Brother Leip's mailbox. Years ago, backed my truck right out of his driveway, took his mailbox out, and his driveway is like a three, it's a three lane, like it's, it's enormous. But you know what, we didn't have backup cameras back then, we didn't have anything like that, I'm literally like, yeah, you're looking like this, and when you're in a big four by four truck, you just can't see little mailboxes, so... Uh, but anyways, I got my driver's license April 2002. May 2004, I graduated high school. Yes, I am a high school graduate. Uh, August 2004, I uh, went to Bible college. August 2007, I met my would-be wife. And November 21st, 2009, I married her. She's teaching Sunday school today. August 4th, 2012, I became a father. January 30th, 2017, I became a father again. So, so these are all different events. These are all different moments that, that, have, that I'll remember forever. They are, they are moments that make me who I am today. And, and I pray that I have many more dates and I have many more things to write down. And uh, one of those dates that I mentioned... Uh, being an important one to me was my birthday, April 8th, 1986, third time uh, today. Don't want you to forget that. <laughs> it was my birthday. But you know what? There is another date that I did not mention, and that was another birth. It was in May of 2002 when I was born again of, of the Spirit. On a Sunday night, I made my way down into an altar, and I began to repent, and God filled me gloriously with his spirit. And I want to let you know, I have a lot of memories today that I can think back on and say, you know what, that was a great day and that was a great moment. But let me tell you, there is nothing that compare to the night that I was born again of his spirit. I know my life is made up of different moments, but nothing compares to that. Nothing compares to being born again of water and spirit. We sing songs about it today that go something like this. I've been down to the water and I've been baptized. You know, I've been tested and I've been tried, but that doesn't matter because I've been down to the water and I've been baptized. The, folks, those aren't, again, those aren't just lyrics on a screen. They aren't just lyrics to a song. That's my experience in God. I have been born again of water, baptized in the only saving name of Jesus Christ. That's who I am. I'm an apostolic Pentecostal. I believe in one Lord. I believe in one faith. I believe in one baptism. I believe in one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. And his name, if you help me out, is Jesus Christ. Praise God. So I thank God for all these moments, all these different times that he has given me. But, but, but back to the question that James is asking us. James is saying, hey, what is life? What is it? What, what, what is it? What, what, is, what is life? What is your life? And I appreciate James so much because James doesn't even really give us the opportunity to stop and consider unless you're going verse by verse and you're just like, all right, I'm going to stop and I'm going to think. He doesn't even give us an opportunity. 
He doesn't make us sit there and wonder what, 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 what life is. He doesn't like end his book right there and just say, hey, figure it out. Now, I know we have people, and we're guilty of it as well, that we search and search and trying to figure out the answer to that question, what is life? Well, James doesn't play any tricks. James doesn't mince any words. He doesn't try to be mysterious. James just flat out tells us life is a vapor. What's life? It's a vapor. It's like a morning mist that soon vanishes. There's no guarantee with life. There's no guarantee about tomorrow, let alone alone next year or 10 years or 20 years from now. You may be in this morning, here this morning, and all everything's going well. Things could change in a moment's time. You may be thinking, well, Bryce, that's pretty morbid. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to think such things like that, but hear me this morning. I believe that if you ignore this, if you ignore these things that James is telling us, we will not live our lives properly in light of all eternity. And James wants us to know that. You see, we measure our lives by moments, by events, things that happen, and we write them down and we remember them. We, we take a snapshot and it goes in the, in, in our little, uh, scratch book of time where we look back and we say, boy, I remember when. I remember that was a great day. I remember that was a great time. And we reflect on those things and that was a great memory and that was a great year. And in the grand scheme of things, in light of all eternity, your life and my life is just one small moment in time. It's a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. It's a very brief period of time, a short time, an instant. That's what life is. A vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You see, we think sometimes, church, that, man, we live to be 80 to 90 years old, that that's a long time. And by our standard, by our thinking, we would be correct but in the grand scheme, in, in the big picture, compared to eternity, 80 to 90 years is just a small blip on the radar. I was sharing this with somebody the other day that the scripture, I think it's in First in Peter where it says, a day unto the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years. You know what it's talking about, that scripture? They say if you run the math, if you do the math and you break it all the way down, okay, if a 1,000 years is one day, 500 years is this. So if a person lives to be 75 years old, that's an hour and a half. An hour and a half. Our life is just a vapor. In the grand scheme of things, in in light of all eternity, it's just a vapor. It's a blip on the radar. It is here today, and it is gone tomorrow. And James is trying to drive that home to us. Then you go to James chapter 4, and this is what he says, 6 through 10. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So James is beginning a new section, but the connecting theme through chapters four and five is humility. It's humility. James four, he, James hit, he hit the need for humility to resolve conflicts and have relationships that are harmonious. And now he turns to the subject of humility with regard to the future. He is confronting an arrogant spirit that he had observed among the churches. And although these people professed to know Christ, they were living with a worldly attitude that the Apostle John calls the boastful pride of life. What were they doing? They were making plans and not taking into account God's, their own mortality and God's sovereignty. They were planning out their lives without any regard to God being the supreme authority. What were they doing? They had their eyes set on the here and the now. They had their eyes set on the things of this world. Their moment in time was being spent in what seems like a good thing, but they were forgetting the main thing. God wasn't in the equation. God wasn't in the plans. Have you ever uh, have you ever heard the phrase "more than meets the eye"? We we were up here yesterday tackling this project. I told one of the guys up here. I said it's amazing all of the small little things that that you know we I just I saw this project and stuff and I was like oh it'll probably be an hour and a half or something like that. Good no no. No, and I'm foolish for thinking that. But it was, it was, there were so many small details. There was, this project was more than meets the eye. Now, was it difficult? No, I mean, we had a good crew going up here and, and everything was working really smooth and stuff. But there are things in this life that are more than meets the eye. It means there's more to it than what you are seeing. All right. And so I heard this phrase and I was like, I was thinking about that. You know, what in life is more than meets the eye? And uh, uh, I don't want to burst anybody's uh, bubble here today. I don't want to, you know, uh, fry anybody's graham cracker or anything like that. But there are things, there are things in life that are more than meets the eye. What are those things, Bryce? Uh, let's talk about those things for just a moment. Uh, marriage. <laughs> Come here, sister. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's marriage, if we're all being completely honest, and which we should be, right? Uh, marriage is one of those things that is more than meets the eye. There is a lot of aspects of marriage that are more than meets the eye. All right. And now God, I know he has a sense of humor because he doesn't let us in on those aspects. Right. No, 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 no. We figure them out when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Right. All right. So encouraging. Right. People are like, yeah, marriage. Blah, blah. But think about it. All of a sudden, all of a sudden you marry your best friend or your best friend to be. And uh, you develop this best friend relationship, but it can be challenging. 
all of a sudden, your schedule is now uh, subject to another human, right? There's another human in the equation that you have to take in account to. I, I, lit, I couldn't like just come home at 8 o'clock at night. My wife would be like, where, are you, where have you been? I was just out golfing with the guys. I just said, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you ask? Why didn't you let me know what was going on? They're like, well, that's what I've just always done. Like, I'm just out golfing with the guys. What's wrong with that? No. <laughs> I'm saving somebody's marriage today. I feel it. <laughs> Woo. Your, your schedule, and, and I'm not going to go into <laughs> all the different aspects, but there's a little bit of an adjustment period, right? And I'm not going to wade out any further. I feel like I've made my point. But your, your marriage, what I'm trying to say is marriage is more than meets the eye. You could, you could go a step further. Parenting. And I need to hear an amen from the parents in this room. Amen. Thank you. Parenting is more than meets the eye. A whole lot more. And I don't think kids have gotten any cheaper than they, you know... There, I think the with inflation and all that stuff, I mean, I think the, what, I don't, I used to look up what is the, it would cost to have a child, like up until they're 18 years old. It used to be like $250,000. That's like what you signed up for. I'm sure it's probably double. It's probably double that. You think, why are you looking that up? I just look up goofy stuff sometimes, but, and just wondering what some, some numbers are. But anyways, parenting, it's, it's, it's more than meets the eye. And I absolutely love my children. Don't get me wrong this morning. And, and, uh, but it is more than meets the eye and you know you know how this goes you 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 know how this goes parents uh or newlyweds the new, you get married you're a newlywed and all of a sudden some of your friends have a child and so you go to visit the friends and they lay the child in your arms your wife's arms and you're holding the baby your wife's holding the baby and she's just like looking down at that, that sweet, innocent child. And it's, it, it's, it's, it's perfect. It's swaddled and all of that good stuff. No dirty diapers in this moment right here. And so she's just like looking at it. And, and all of a sudden there's this connection. And all of a sudden she looks over at her husband. And she's just like. And it's like, should we have a baby? And the wife is so caught up in the moment. She's just like, I don't know. And, and, the, and the husband's like, sure. <laughs> oh, it's like, like, should we get new curtains? Sure. No, it's like. <laughs> should we have a baby? Sure. And you start making plans like what color should the nursery be and what should we get and uh, we got to go and we got to register for everything at Babies R Us and Target and we got to get some of this and, 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 uh, and, and all this time it was based off of a sure. You know, and, and so we're out there like, what, what color are we going to paint the room? What kind of stroller are we going to get? I want to get, make sure I get this one cool stroller. That way when I take the kids to the park or the kid to the park, it's like, you know, okay, we're, um, they got the, I'm, I'm ready to roll here. And, and I got the sporty looking one and, and I got the bumbo seat that I could set them in that they're not going to fall over when I'm making dinner and all this stuff. And they can sit there and watch me. And then you have children. 
and the nursery's all painted, but it doesn't get used. No, no, they're wanting to sleep in your bed or in a little crib beside you. (laughs) And the stroller, which you thought was sporty, it weighs 200 pounds. And it's in the car, out the car, in the garage, in the car, out the car, in the garage. And you almost break your back every time you load it in the trunk or in the back of your car. Speaking of your car, your car used to be nice and it used to smell nice and all that stuff. Now it's got just fruity pebbles laid all over the carpet. And there's a sticky substance on the seat that you can't get out. You can't figure out what it is. Mallory would hand me the boys when they were a baby and I would instantly have to go change my shirt. <laughs> instantly, instantly. It's like almost like she timed it perfect. <laughs> hey, the baby, they got a dirty diaper. Do they? Oh, I don't know. Just, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're doing. Parenting, it's, it's more than meets the eye. It's, there's more to it than what you can see. There's more going on than you can see. And I bring that up to say this, that this life as a Christian, this life as a Jesus follower, there are some things, hear me right now, that are more than meets the eye. There are some challenges. There are some trials. There are some difficulties along the way. But beyond those things, We need to understand that on this journey with him, there is more than meets the eye. I want to let you know that there is a whole lot going on around us right now. There's a whole lot going on, more that we can't see than we can see. And that's why you read in your Bible when Paul was handcuffed and put in a prison as a rightful Roman citizen, he could write such words that we read about, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Why? Paul, how could you write such words like that? You're handcuffed. You're unlawfully thrown in prison. But you must understand, I think Paul would tell each and every one of you, he says, hey, I'm a man that follows Jesus. And I believe in this life that there is more than meets the eye. I want to let you know today, we got to stop getting our eyes off the here and now and put them on the eternal. Put them on that great and glorious day that is coming. There's more than meets the eye. There's more that we can't see than we can. That's That's why Paul would also write in 2 Corinthians, therefore we don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He goes on to say, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And I just want to encourage somebody here today, don't get caught up in the here and now. Don't get so in love with this world that you're not even ready to meet Jesus in the air. Don't fall so in love on what you see here today that you forget about what's coming on the other day. When you forget about that he's going to split the eastern sky and we still have the hope of the rapture that we can look for. Don't lose that. 
We're living in this life right now for the life that is to come. There is a life after this, church. There is a life after this. And that life is eternal. That's why Paul could write from a prison cell, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Because Paul understood there's coming a day when he'll get to walk on streets of gold. There's coming a day when he'll get to walk through the pearly gates. There's coming a day where he'll get to live the life that he'll always live for. There is still a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. But remember... Life is a vapor. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just a moment. It's just a, it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Life is frail. Life is confusing. Life can be difficult. Most of us in this room are very familiar with the story of Job. There are a lot of you here today that you read about Job and you hear Job preached and you really relate to this man. And uh, his story demonstrates to us how so often we are unaware of all of the many things, uh, many different ways that God is at work in our lives. We sang that song, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. This was, this was Job. We're often unaware of all the things, Brother Bishop, that God is doing back behind the curtain. But the thing is, God doesn't ever let us really backstage to see what's going on. If anyone knew how things could change in a moment, it was Job. If there was anyone that was confused about God, what God was doing, it was Job. If there was anyone that didn't quite understand what was happening, it was this man. Job literally, literally lost it all. He, he lost his livelihood. He lost his family. But there is a, there is a passage of scripture that has recently jumped out to me uh, about a week ago. And it's Job chapter 26. It's just, a, it's just a few verses in Job 26, 12 through 14. And it just kind of jumped off the page at me. It's right smack dab middle in his, in his story. This is what he writes. By his power, he churned up the sea. By his wisdom, he cut Rahab to pieces. By his breath, the skies became fair. His hand pierced the gliding serpent. And verse 14, and these are but the outer fringe of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of him, who then can understand the thunder of his power. Verse 14, and these are but the outer fringe of his works. If I could be totally honest with you today, I feel like that's where most of us, in fact, all of us are. We are on the fringes of his work. Everything that you and I see and experience here on earth is but the fringes of his glory. It's the edge of his glory. That's where our life is at. That's where we spend. It's the border 
that we live on. It's the edge that we live on. We are just barely scratching the surface of all that God is. And you know what? Sometimes that can be frustrating. Sometimes the fringes leave us a little confused. Sometimes the edge leaves us a little bit in question. It's a place where we don't know what God is doing. Job certainly didn't know. We are on the edge of glory and we are standing on the outer edges of his works. But I want to remind somebody today that the fringes of his glory are enough for you and I to experience his presence and to experience his miraculous power. All through the Bible, there's different stories, account after account after account, where Jesus was on the edge of town. He was on the outskirts of the city, and something miraculous was taking place. I love the story of Acts chapter 7 where Stephen got up to speak and he began to preach Jesus and the crowd weren't too pleased. They didn't really like the message. They began gnashing their teeth, the Bible says. They were so upset that the Bible says they drug him. Where did they drag him? All the way to the outskirts of town. But you know what the Bible also lets us know? Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. They took Stephen all the way to the edge of town, but that didn't stop him from experiencing the glory of God. Friend, the fringes of his glory are enough for you to see and experience the glory of God and experience his power. It's the edge. It's the edge of glory. That's where life is. Numbers 15, 37 through 41. Listen to what this says. And the Lord spoke unto Moses saying, speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue and it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which ye used to go that ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God I am the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God I am the Lord your God This is not an accidental or incidental commandment. God completely understands. God knows that human beings, which he created, are visual learners. All right? And so he gave the Jews, I wish I had one, but he gave the Jews a prayer shawl. All right? And it was was called, it was a tallit, and it was an object lesson. They were to put tassels or, 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 or fringes on the borders of the corners of this garment. They would often wrap the tassels around their fingers as they prayed to remind them of the commandments of the Lord. And the sole purpose, as our music comes, the sole 
purpose of the tallit was to hold the fringes. It was to hold the border. And when you wore the tallit, you were literally wrapping yourself in the name and the laws of God. The Jewish people call the tallit, they call it a hug from God when they would wrap themselves in it. The prayer shawl or tallit is still used at all major Jewish uh, occasions. They use it still at bar mitzvahs and they use it still at circumcisions and, and weddings and even as a shroud for a burial. The tallit protects the scrolls of the Torah when they are moved. It even inspired the Jewish flag. And in biblical times, Jewish men, they wore the tallit all the time. Not just as prayer, not just for prayer or at prayer. They wore it all the time. All right? The garment was a constant sign that a person was willingly submitted to, reminded of, and wrapped in God's commands. Psalms 91 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers. And under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. When the priest held out his arms to say a blessing, his tallit, when he lifted up those arms, it looked exactly like wings. When he stretched out his arms, those tassels that hung down, the border, the fringe, it looked like wings. Okay, Bryce, this doesn't make sense. All right, hear me out. You turn to the book of Malachi. Here's what Malachi writes. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name, and you shall go forth. It says, unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with what? Healing in his wings. <laughs> and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall and you shall tread down the wicked for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. If Israel would have only feared the name of the Lord, and kept his commandments they were going to be free like really free but sadly they didn't listen they didn't fear the name of the Lord they didn't keep his commandments and here's what happened 400 silent years that's the time period between Malachi and Matthew 
the writers of the New Testament. 400 quiet years. Nobody hears from the Lord. Nothing more is heard from Malachi's prophecy for centuries until three of the gospel writers record the story of one person <laughs> who puts the puzzle pieces together. And it's not a religious person. It's not some religious scholar or a popular leader. It's just the little woman who grasps what everyone else has missed. Luke chapter 8 tells us a story. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border, the hem of his garment. And immediately, her issue of blood, gone. Why did she reach out and touch? Why, why, was, it, why was it the fringes? Why was it the tassels? Why was it, why was it that? You know why? But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, healing even in the corners of his garment, even in a little tassel, the fringe of his delete, the fringe of his prayer shawl. All three of the gospel writers that record this miracle record another miracle immediately afterwards when the little woman stops Jesus. He's actually on his way with Jairus to heal his little girl and word comes that, uh, that she had died but Jesus continues to the house and walks right past all the mourners. Now why are these two miracles recorded together? Because Jesus had on the prayer shawl the tallit. He was wearing it in that moment and they understood that they put the pieces together and said, if I can just touch the fringe, if I can just touch the border, if I can touch the edge, there's power. There's healing. My issue can be gone. My issue can be healed. I can find what I'm looking for. You know what life is? Life lives in the edge of glory. It lives on the edge of glory. But I want to remind somebody today that the edge of glory is enough for you. It's enough for you to experience His power. It's enough for you to be redeemed. It's enough for you to be cleansed. It's enough for you to be made whole. Stand with me today. Would you bow your head in this place? Close your eyes for just a moment. I feel the presence of God just walking up and down the aisles of this church. I want to let you know that where the presence of the Lord is, there's liberty and God never shows up empty-handed. There is still power. There is still miraculous power that you can experience today. A lot of times your life, you feel like it's on the edge, like you're so far out there that God can't touch you. 
You're so far out there. You're not who you want to be. You're not who you're supposed to be. I'm here to tell you it's on the edge that God can meet you. It's on the fringe. It's on the border that there's still power. Miraculous power. In the mighty name of Jesus. I would just ask you right now, would you extend your hands toward heaven in this place? I'm here to tell you if you have a need in your body. If you have a need, a physical need in your body. Whatever it is. If you want to repent, I'm telling you, he's in the place today to wash you clean. Whatever you need, there is power. There is wonder-working power in this place. You might feel like you're on the edge today. But I'm telling you, on the edge, you can experience His glory. On the edge, you can experience His power. On the edge. Just reach out. Touch the fringe as He walks by. Reach out and touch the border of His garment. Your miracle is within arm's reach, church. Your miracle, your answered prayer is within arm's reach. How are you spending the vapor that you've been given? I want to spend it in His presence. I want to spend it walking in joy, walking in my miracle, walking in my healing. Reach out and talk to the Lord right now. Come on, reach out and talk to the Lord right now. Come on, reach out and receive what you've been needing. Receive. Come on, receive it in Jesus' name. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Come on, we're not here to play church. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.